Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Welcome listeners to the first installment in our Kung Fu Panda movie review series. This is your co-host Corbin. And I'm Alan. We thought we would kind of kick the summer off, wind things down a little bit. We did finish the first half of our Denis Villeneuve movie review series in anticipation for the sci-fi epic of the year, maybe even the decade, for Dune releasing October 1st of this year. And we also reviewed A Quiet Police Part 2. So if you haven't heard our review for those, the links are down in the description below for you to check out while you're down there we also have a curated list of movies we think you'll like to listen to after this one we've reviewed quite a few movies from 2008 all of our 2008 reviews are linked down below and also we have timestamps if you're ready to jump straight into the review also links to all of the podcast platforms we're on we're on all the major ones social media pages our patreon page if you want to financially support us and get some great bonus content hang out over there with us as well. And of course, no matter where you're listening, five stars really helps. If you'll just take two seconds to give us that five star rating, along with a short written review, that really does help us in the algorithms. No matter where you're listening to, that helps a bunch. So we've got some exciting things coming for Silver Screen Guide this year, some things we're working on behind the scenes. You're going to want to make sure to subscribe and not miss it. Subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts where you um, also have content on YouTube. All of that's in the description below. So make sure to check it out. So Corbin, did you get to see Kung Fu Panda in the theater back when it released a number of years ago? Oh, yeah, I was definitely in the theater in 2000. I was in the theater a lot in 2008. I mean, g- looking back on it, 2008 was an incredible year for movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. And so, listeners, if you want to know what other movies came out in 2008, Alan and I did your guide to Kung Fu Panda that came out last Thursday. That's the first link in the description below, actually. So, we talked about the ratings, the box office. 2008 was huge. I was at the theater probably almost like every weekend during the summer. It was crazy. I was definitely there. Alan, were you there? Uh, For this movie, I was. Um, I wasn't there opening weekend, but I definitely caught it in the theater. Um, I guess I was also there for Prince Caspian. I know we talked about that, um, when we did the review a number of months ago. So I was at least there for those two, um, Kung Fu Panda and Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian. I don't think I was there for anything else. Maybe Madagascar too, but I don't think so. Dang. So you weren't in the theater for The Dark Knight. No, I, that was a movie that my mom, well, so at the time my, my mom didn't really like us going to film, going to see movies in the theater. And so when we did, it was a kind of a special deal, like Chronicles sure. of Narnia, um, or I think this way I went with my aunt to see. Um, so most of the time, if I, I, especially in the early year 2000s, probably didn't see much in the theater. Yeah. You would have been 12 when this came out. Yeah. And funny enough, this movie, I'm feeling a little old now, Alan. This movie came out 12 years ago. Yeah, it's true. It did. So for being 12 years old, Corbin, how does the trailer hit you now? Do I guess let me ask this first. Do you remember this trailer? Because I do. But do you remember seeing this trailer as a kid? So once I watched the trailer, then I remembered it because I didn't have any recollection of this trailer whatsoever, even though I know I definitely saw the trailer because... Clearly, that's probably what got me into the theater when I was actually 13. Let the record show Mm -hmm. I was a teenager for I had been a teenager for uh, four months at that point, I think. Mm -hmm. So I will say when I was 13, it looked really fun. But as an adult, I think they would need to do a lot more to pique my interest to get me into theaters because I really think this first trailer isn't great. 
Yeah, I'm kind of on the same boat. I rem- I thought I remember seeing the trailer before I actually watched it. And then when I did, I was like, oh, yeah. I don't know how many times I've actually seen this trailer <laughs> when it released back in 2008. Um, I'm kind of with you. I think the trailer is fine. Um, it definitely piques my interest. If I were a 12-year-old, I'm, I'd probably think that it's kung fu maybe, but I don't know about that anthropomorphic animals i don't know about that <laughs> um i mean i i guess something was pulling me into the seat to see it in the theater because i went and saw it um with my aunt and cousins so i would say as an adult maybe not but as a 12 year old there was some definitely something pulling me toward it i guess mm-hmm. um it, maybe it was just because i was able to go see a movie in the theater a- anything in the theater is what pulled me into it well we should note that this was done by dreamworks which did Shrek over mm-hmm. the hedge, which I love. They did. They did a lot of movies that you and me had seen. So DreamWorks had a lot of goodwill with us back then. So anything they did, I probably wasn't going to question. I mean, all the way back to the days of their 2D animation, like the Road to El Dorado. I loved mm-hmm. that when I was a kid. Yeah. No, you're right. Uh, I definitely was. We were both. N- neither of us were strangers to DreamWorks. Um, I definitely seen Trick. I think I watched that pretty close to when it released on home video. Um, and I definitely seen Road to El Dorado at that point. So, you know, I had seen a number of DreamWorks pictures and liked, I remember liking what they saw because I knew that they were different from Disney Pixar. Um, at least I knew at least enough to know that. So I remember liking their stuff. So yeah, you're right. This is kind of in good faith for at least those who have kind of seen their other works to now come out with um, another another animated feature looks you know it's looking pretty good so yeah i'm I'm with you i think that this also was definitely part of what what interested me i knew it wasn't pixar and i was kind of excited about that i guess this is technically our first kung fu movie we've ever reviewed i guess we have to div- delineate it a little bit because we have reviewed the karate kid movies and i suppose karate and kung fu are different don't mm-hmm. don't ask me what those differences are. But right. when I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, yeah, we actually did the Karate Kid movies um, last year. So I thought that was kind right. of funny. We're now coming back to this martial arts again. That's right. Yeah. So in terms of like martial arts, we've done obviously now we're doing Kung Fu. We've done karate. And I think we've also done boxing because we did Rocky. Oh, yep. That's so true. we've got That's a mix true. of things so far. We've got a mix of different, you know, martial arts movie types yeah physical contact sports yeah we're making our way around so and of course listeners if you want to listen to any of those we will link to rocky karate kid series you can listen to all the episodes links right there for your convenience to listen to right well listeners if you have not seen kung fu panda first of all where have you been (laughs) but if you haven't seen kung fu panda then go ahead and click pause right now Go ahead and check out the film and then come back and click play and we'll be ready to talk about it. Somewhere in ancient China is a village populated by anthropomorphic animals. One panda named Po wishes to learn Kung Fu, despite his father, who is a goose, wanting him to inherit the family noodle business. Up in the mountains in the Jade Palace, Master Ugwe foretells of Tai Long returning to the village. He will try to take the dragon scroll, which holds the secret to Kung Fu, by force. The prophecy also foretells of a dragon warrior rising up to stop him, but who would that be? Shifu believes that one of the Furies Five, Tigris, is the chosen one. A tournament is held to find the dragon warrior, and, to the surprise of everyone, Po is chosen. Thinking this was a mistake, Shifu plans on getting Po to quit. However, no matter how many times Po is beaten up, he just keeps going. Ugwe and Shifu talk, with Ugwe telling the new master that he needs to learn to believe in Po, instead of trying to work against him. Well, then Tai Long escapes from prison. Hearing this sends fear through Po and he tries to escape, but Shifu talks Po out of it and the two begin training. Meanwhile, the Furious Five sneak away to try to stop him, but to no avail. They return to Shifu and Po, and it is decided that Dragon Scroll is to be opened if there is any hope to stop Tai Long. Shifu hands the scroll to Po, but finds that the scroll is empty upon opening it. A decision is made to then evacuate the city, and Shifu will stay behind to hold, to hold off Tai Long for long enough to get everyone out. Po finds his father where he finally reveals the secret ingredient to his noodles. The secret is nothing. Believing something is special is what makes it special, he tells him. Hearing this, Po races back to the Jade Palace just in time. Tai Long and Po fight and end up in the middle of town. 
Talong bests Poe and opens the Dragon Scroll in an assumed victory, only to find it empty. Poe does the Wuxi Finger hold and flexes his pinky, ending Tailong and saving the village. The people rejoice and praise Poe for saving them. The Furious Five acknowledge the panda as their true master. Poe returns to Jade Palace to find Shifu alive and having finally attained inner peace. As credits roll. I forgot how much there was with this plot when mm-hmm. I watched the movie. I There's quite a few characters in this movie. There's kind of the classic hero's journey that we go on. And then, right. of course, the nemesis. And yeah, there was more to this movie than I, I remembered. I'll be honest, Alan. I remembered very little about this movie, actually. I, I remembered kind of the battle at the end. I kind of remembered what the secret of the Dragon Scroll was. Okay. But I didn't really remember much else, except I was pleasantly surprised to see this kind of subversive humor in this, where it's just not quite what you're expecting, but it's funny. And I, I think most of that, I got to give credit to Jack Black. Yeah. I did this this is also, I think, definitely at that one of the... A height of his career too because jack black was kind of everywhere around this time oh yeah um back in 2008 in the early 2000s yeah he was everywhere so i, I think you're right um but i'm also kind of the opposite of you when it comes to remembering um this movie i remember like almost everything when i oh, sat wow. down to watch it for this review um i was writing ahead because i knew like what was going to happen in the film so <laughs> For me, at least, I guess I had seen it a number of times. I know I've seen it a lot, um, and it's been a while since I've watched it last. Mm -hmm. I used to also own this on DVD at one point. I think I had one and two, and I hadn't watched three yet, which I I still haven't watched it yet. So um, I remember really liking Kung Fu Panda, at least enough to own it on DVD at one point. I've I've since sold it, of course. Um, But yeah, coming into this, I remembered a lot more than I guess I thought I would. Uh, and, I, and again, that's because I, I think I've seen it a number of times. I don't know how many times, but a number of times, at least to know that I would at least somewhat ingrained in my mind, you know, what's going to happen. I actually watched it this time around in a way I've never watched it before. I watched it with the trivia track, which like all trivia tracks, which Alan and I have watched and talked about here on the show are sometimes very insightful. And then sometimes like pandas weigh 250 pounds like okay Mm -hmm. Uh, i mean i guess they're trying to make it for all ages but the trivia track was actually um very insightful in many instances um for instance in an early version of the script poe lived with his mom in a bamboo forest i didn't know that um when shifu is playing the flute that's an homage to the silent flute with david carradine i also had no idea shifu is a red panda i never knew that i i think i maybe have known that at once because i thought he was a raccoon until you mentioned red panda i was like oh wait no i think that's correct so i yeah. guess that makes sense he's a red panda uh, apparently jack black's band tenacious d their song Co- mm-hmm. um cosmic destiny i believe inspired poe's story okay and they also made poe's eyes green because in um, china green represents wisdom to show that there's more to poe than meets the eye i thought that was cool i i would have never known that without the trivia track yeah that is definitely very interesting i wouldn't have guessed that either so that just goes to one of my compliments is there's actually a lot of details they put in this movie, a lot of effort they put in here to really mm-hmm. make this stuff meaningful. Um, like tiger, crane, mantis, monkey, a snake or something. Those are actually the five Kung Fu fighting styles. And I right. never even knew that either. Yeah, I don't know if I ever really watched any of the special features when I owned this on DVD. Um, but one of the other thing, one of the other things too is you know along with you know how much they kind of put into it that's also like somewhat related to you know more of the China culture whatever this movie also just looks really really good. Um, oh yeah, I I partially remembered it looking pretty good when I watched it many number of years ago, but coming back to it now, um, seeing it again, I was like, wow, this movie looks great. Uh, which of course, you know, it's an animated feature too. So you have like full control over like every, absolutely everything. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. and I'm glad that they also went for, you know, they all animated feature films, I guess are really good at this too, where they kind of go for a more fantasy like, uh, element to them, which they can have again, full control over absolutely everything. So 
if anything, this film looks absolutely fantastic. And I think that they just get better as the sequels go on, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I have no doubt they get better. I mean, the budget also goes up when we get to yeah. number two. But f- for the budget for 2008, I'm very impressed with the visual effects. Particularly, I'm impressed with their usage of color. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was able to watch this full HD and technically upscaled to 4K. And I was w- very impressed with the usage of color. That really drew my eye is how detailed they tried to make the characters with their color, the landscape. I do like the character design as well. They didn't really go for realism in some instances. So I was impressed with that. There is actually a cinematographer attached to this film. Believe it or not, it It is young, young duck. Yon. I I don't know if I said that correctly at all, but yeah, I believe it. I know that with animated feature films, there usually is uh, a cinematographer attached to it. Um, I'm not entirely sure what their like their role is for this kind of a thing. If it's like, you know, like a DOP kind of a role, because um, I know that they mm-hmm. would definitely have one of those. I don't know what the role would be, but either way, they did a good job because it looks really good that way in terms of how they move the camera and shooting and whatnot also looks very good. Cinematography is also very good in this. Yeah. Well, speaking of other things that I was impressed with, I had no idea. Uh, little composer, maybe you've heard of him. Hans Zimmer did the score for this movie uh-huh. and John Powell. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. No, I this is there's one track from the score that I absolutely adore. It's called The Bridge. Um, I really oh, enjoy it. But yeah, yeah you're right. Uh, John Powell and Hans Zimmer too. John Powell does a lot of animated feature film com- compositions. I don't know how much he does it. I don't know how much he does it now. But I know that he's done a lot in the past, and he's really, really good. He's one of, he's one of my favorite composers. Um, and then, of course, Hans Zimmer is just well well known for being one of the greatest composers, at least in the American culture, or at least one of the most popular, right? Um, oh, yeah. So to have them two come together to do a score is, huh, is great news. Um, of course, back in the day, I had no clue who these people were. I maybe knew the name Hans Zimmer, but I don't think I knew John Powell as well. But... Yeah, yeah, I can say that I'm glad that we have these two on the score because I, for me at least, this is a it's, this sound movie sounds great. Yeah, it's interesting because Hans Zimmer, while Hans Zimmer had Kung Fu Panda come out in 2008, he also had The Dark Knight, which he scored, mm-hmm. and that came out in 2008 as well. So he's just been prolific, working constantly. But go listen to our guide to Kung Fu Panda because Alan talks about how long it took to make this movie and just talking about the animation here and more of the technical aspects of it. The trial of the five, when it's being decided who the five, who the chosen one will be that scene alone where they're in that stadium with all those people, that Mm -hmm. scene alone took one and a half years just to light the scene properly, which is insane. That sounds about right. Yeah. Of course, by today's standards, <laughs> you can do that in five minutes. But uh, back in 2000, and they were probably, that was probably, I'm guessing, was being rendered around 2005, 2006, maybe, uh, maybe 2007. Yeah. You know, on that hardware. Yeah. No wonder it took so long. And of course, by even by, you know, today's standards is relatively small. Like it's relatively small amount of space um, to yeah. be rendering that back in 2000. Like the early 2000s, yeah. Definitely, I can see why that took a long time. It did. I was just surprised it took that long, but that's just a testament to how hard they worked on this movie just to light one sequence in it. It was a big sequence, I get it, but wow. Mm -hmm. You know, I really do like the design, as I was saying, of these different places. I really like the design of the prison. That's actually one of my favorite designs where Tai Lung is housed and they... Uh, on his back is a tortoise shell, like an acupuncture tortoise shell to show he's kind of the antithesis of Master Ugwe. And just when you see his eyes, it just looks really gorgeous. And I want to also give compliments to the 2D animation sequences as well. Um, they brought in completely a uh, separate animator to draw that and then they animated it into the film. But that those 2D drawings are very well, well done also. Yeah, that was one of the surprises for me when I, I remember being surprised when I went in to see this because I knew it was a, a 3D animated film. And then the first thing I see is a 2D animated opening sequence. 
Um, I remember being very taken aback by that when I was seeing it in the theater. Um, I think it's still a lot of fun. And it definitely is, um, for my 12-year-old brain, it was weird to wrap my head around, you know, why would they go 2D in a 3D movie? Um, but it is a lot of fun nonetheless to start off with a different style, um, which is maybe a, hom a homage to kind of what DreamWorks has done in past movies, like with Rodel Dorado or whatever, yeah. the, when they were competing with, more competing with Disney's 2D animation um, than the 3D stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's a good point is it definitely is an, an homage. I like that point. One of the other things I was surprised to learn, thanks to the trivia, is this is shot in CinemaScope. Oh, and okay. the reason they shot it in CinemaScope is to honor the old Kung Fu movies. That makes and sense. You, I don't think you always see a lot of animated films, especially for kids. And technically, this is a 239 by one aspect ratio. Um, normally, you want to like kind of fill up the screen. You want it to be these big, bright and bold up there. But this was specifically those black bars are there on purpose to evoke the feeling of a kung fu movie. And I got to say, I think they did a really good job animating. It couldn't have been easy to to animate a lot of these fights where I think it's very exciting to watch um, kung fu movies, especially when it's done right in mm -hmm. live action. I find those very engaging. To bring that to animation, I think is very risky, but I think it did pay off. I think some of these fights are very exciting. And I also have to attribute that to the sound design. There was a bonus feature. Um, Ethan Vanderrein was the sound designer on this. He did The Lord of the Rings. He did Transformers. He did huge movies with huge sounds. And so they mm -hmm. brought him into this. And I got to say, it all blends together very well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If we're talking about my my favorite aspect of this movie, it's got to be the fight scenes. Um, I remember when I was a kid, too. Those are, of course, my absolute favorite parts were the action sequences. Because you're right, it is a lot of fun. Not something you see very often when it comes to an action sequence like this. You know, everything's like super flashy over the top. Um, and so by far, my favorite part of this is got to be those action sequences because they are really unique. Uh, and, it, and at least in terms of a of a kids movie and especially one that's focused more on Kung Fu. Um, so that was mainly my biggest draw was, you know, well, it's going to have some action. And I'm sure because it's, it's called Kung Fu Panda and I was not let down mm -hmm. by it. Um, at all. So I would say that for at least for me, when with the action sequences, I feel like they just almost keep getting better. Um, every time they have one, it's it just almost like it tops the one that came before it. Um, for the most part, we'll talk about that in, in a bit. Um, <laughs> but for the most part, every time that they have a sequence, an action sequence, it just builds on top of what came before it and does even better than the one that came before it. Yeah, they also really got the physics right for a lot of these fight scenes. Where in Kung Fu movies, or as they're sometimes called wire foo, where the mm -hmm. characters are just lighter than air. I'm thinking of, I think one of the first times I really saw that was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, where these characters yep. are just kind of like flying up walls and flying across. It looks incredible. And I don't think they quite capture the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That movie's phenomenal here, but they really do go epic with some of these shots. Like when we see Tigress um, jump from the top of the mountain, it's this super wide shot of her just in profile, just descending. And you see her silhouetted in the moon until she lands on yeah. that. I was very impressed that they really are trying to make something really special here. Um, something that's out of the ordinary. They really are trying to differentiate themselves from Disney, I think, in a lot of these ways. One of my, um, I thought one of the sequences that was just really fun was the chopstick fight where, oh, yeah. and I thought it was really creative as well, where they basically do Kung Fu, but with chopsticks. And the, I mean, and I thought it was very interesting. I watched it with my wife. My wife noticed the sound design. And I think that is a compliment to how well they did because there's no talking in that scene. Mm -hmm. It's all just the sounds and focusing on the chopsticks. And uh, that was one of the scenes I was most impressed with. Yeah, and the other thing 
kind of going off of like sound design when it comes to animated feature films, usually they're built from scratch, if I remember right. Um, like they make all oh, yeah. of these sounds with sound designers and whatnot. Like and that's not necessarily atypical from a typical uh, normal movie, but you don't have the luxury of, you know, having or capturing sound effects when you're on set. Um, with mm -hmm. an animated film, you nope. are building from scratch. So it's already hard enough to make it sound normal. Um, and so to make it sound, you know, better than normal, I'm sure is something that would be a, a pretty big feat, which it sounds like, you know, when they pulled in the guy who did Lord of the Rings for sound design, they'd have made it a good choice. Um, because mm -hmm. I, I do, I do agree. Now that you're, now that you mention it, uh, the sound design in that, in that scene part in particular with the chopstick Kung Fu fighting with a dumpling scene is by definitely, definitely a standout of the rest of the film. So yeah, I, I definitely agree. That's a, that's a scene now that you mentioned it where the sound design for that really shows off, like, you know, how, uh, how much attention to detail at least was paid attention to when it came to at least its sound. Yeah, I know that this is a movie directed towards children. I think families can enjoy it as well, mm -hmm. but I, th I think they did a good job of not talking down to children in this movie or not dumbing it down. Um, and because they did put a lot of homages into stuff, really mostly only adults might appreciate or notice. Mm -hmm. I didn't really like notice this on a detailed level when I was watching this when I was 13. Now that I'm an adult, I can find something different to appreciate it, appreciate about it. But I mean, there's kind of two like paths of wisdom here in this movie. There's the wisdom that Ugwe has, which I actually found to be quite deep. Um, one of his lines is one often finds their destiny on the road they take to avoid it. Right. And I thought that was actually a really, really poignant line. I think that's very true. And just um, Ugwe, when he's picking up the seed and telling Shifu that if you could nurture this seed, then it could possibly become something great like this tree. I think adults will find more in that because adults will have that life experience where I think kids will be able to relate more so with Poe. When he finally gets the dragon scroll, he opens it up and I'm cracking up. He's just acting like it's the Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, it's just right. melting his face off. It's so much he can't <laughs> handle. When in fact, it's just a reflection of himself. And I think that's something that kids can relate to. It has a positive message that, you know, you're not special because of X, Y, and Z. You're special because that's just who you are because you believe that you're special and you are. So I really like the, it could have a lesson that I really picked up on there as an adult. And mm -hmm. then also I think it really does work on the kid level as well. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I think one of the more interesting aspects of this is, um, you know, how much I guess, uh, maybe we can call it the culture or maybe the religion or whatever, but you know, they do pull in some of that more traditional kind of, kind of stuff, right? Like, you know, you're, your destiny, you can't fight against destiny, right? That's one of the big themes of this movie is um, is the destiny role, right? Because Poe uh, uh, is an unlikely hero, right? He's a, he's one that is very much a klutz. He is, it's almost as if his life is already made out for him, but he wants to go a different path. And I think that's also partially where kids, especially when they grow up, are going to latch on to Poe, and it's his journey for this film, is, you know, you have the expectation of your parents versus what you really want to do and want to be. Poe wants to be, you know, he wants to learn Kung Fu, but his dad is expecting him to be the one who runs the restaurant. And I think it's also kind of interesting that, you know, normally, or at least in a lot of other movies, you would see where, you know, the son or the daughter who have this expectation from their parents, um, when they finally, you know, break away from their parents, or their parents are disappointed. We don't really get that here. There really isn't that scene where, you know, Poe's dad is disappointed that he's, you know, not doing what he thought that his son wanted to do or not doing what he expected it. That's because, you know, it's running in the family. He's doing because he's doing whatever Poe, he's doing what Poe wants to do. He's following Poe is following what he loves. Right. There's never that scene where the dad's disappointed in that. Um, so I think it's interesting that and also kind of a testament to maybe a well-written kids film when you have your main character, you know, go against what he's been told but at the same time, having it be not as so cut and dry, 
you know, it's it seems as if even though he's not going to go down the same route as his father did with his father before him and on down the ancestry, um, Poe's going to go a different route, which is also kind of fitting because, uh, you know, <laughs> they, they kind of crack a joke about this and, uh, towards the end, but they're different animals. His dad is a goose. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's also very interesting that they would go down that route. Again, maybe a testament to a well-written kids film. Yeah, I thought that was funny as well. His dad, he's like, Dad, sometimes I'm not, I don't even feel like your son. Or, and he's like, Poe, there's something I have to tell you. Yep. And then it has nothing to, nothing to do with that. So, And that's what I'm talking about with the subversive humor where mm-hmm. Poe's like, I know I don't, he's like, I know I don't belong here. This isn't my place. And his father's like, no, it's not your place. He's like, your place is at tables two, four, and six. And just like kind of funny stuff like that. And Jack Black did ad lib some of his lines. Actually, he ad libbed a lot of them. And I think they said like the third take was always like the best one or the one that they used. But I really do think the voice acting is uh, just well done all around. I never felt like anybody's voice was really out of place. Sometimes you look at a character design and then you look at the voice and you're just like, I just don't really see that voice coming out of what I imagine that character to sound like. I think they did a pretty good job here. Yeah. And that's also another thing too, is this is a star studded cast that we have here. I mean, obviously Jack oh, Black, yeah. like we've already mentioned. Um, yeah, star studded. Dustin Hoffman is Shifu. Angela jo- Angelina Jolie is Tigress. Eden McShane is Tai Lung. Jackie Chan is Monkey. Seth Rogen is Mantis. Lucy Liu is Viper, David Cross is Crane. So, I mean, huge cast here. And this is not necessarily anything super new to animated films. Um, usually they have a lot of very popular names that attached mm-hmm. to do voice work. But when, you, when it comes to, you know, actors and, or actresses really fitting their role as an animated character, I think this is a good example of a lot of famous people in this movie um, that I... At the same time, I didn't realize we're in this movie until I was watching it. Um, most, most notably, Angelina Jolie as, Ty- as Tigress. I didn't notice that before. Yeah, I wasn't sure I was ever quite aware of that either. Um, I think that's more of a popular thing now, which I find that very interesting to kind of look at the trends of what actors choose. Mm-hmm. Because you look at older animated movies. And, I mean, we reviewed Tom and Jerry the movie. You know, Tom and Jerry was a big property. You look at even older Disney stuff as well, and it's really not the A-list actors doing the voices. I think Tom Hanks in Toy Story and then Tim Allen as well, but definitely Tom Hanks was huge. I think he kind of, you know, broke the barrier for that, and then it became popular to be in that. And I think now the next phase is Marvel movies, where at first it was like a superhero movie. It's like, uh, yeah, okay. Um, Howard the Duck, Blade, sure. What Batman Forever? But I know this is a tangent, but all I'm saying is now it's very popular to be a part of the Marvel movies, the superhero movies. You're seeing just A-list stars you never thought would be a part of them. Now they want to be a part of them. And I think that's the same way here with animated movies is now when you get an animated movie, it's not somebody you've never heard of nine times out of 10. I mean, you... In the Your Guide to Kung Fu Panda, I think you brought up Sherlock Gnomes or something. Isn't that like Johnny Depp or something voicing that character? Ah, uh, good question. Um, yeah, so it's Sherlock Gnomes was what the direct one of the directors went to after this. Yeah, you're right. It is it is Johnny Depp. Sure enough. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think I remember that because I was like, saw the pre- preview in the theaters. I'm like, what? Yeah, <laughs> couldn't Johnny believe Depp it. But as you Emily see, what Blunt I'm saying, and Michael Caine. Well, there you go. That movie. Well, there you go. Yeah, you get what I'm saying now. Now it's yep. popular, right? So for I, I I praise the animation for what it is at the time for 2008. Mm-hmm. Mostly, I'm praising design color lighting things like that i think the actual animation itself like some of the character movements i think they kind of had to pick and choose their battles here because some of these characters move really fast and to render something like that would be pretty difficult i think in 2008 because i believe 
correct me if I'm wrong, Alan, I believe Star Wars The Clone Wars, the 3D animated movie, came out in theaters around 2008 as well. And those movements aren't near as fluid as some of these fighting. Am I right? Yes. So Clone Wars, Star Wars The Clone Wars, the animated feature film that would kick off the animated TV show did come out in 2008. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen that movie, so I I couldn't tell you on what the, uh, what the comparison is between how stiff the characters are between the two movies. (laughs) Yeah, so I am saying, um, it's, it's really kind of incredible what animation is now. I think it's kind of spoiled it for me because animation now is getting to be photorealistic there's some really crazy stuff with ray tracing that just ups the level of how things look i I don't think some of it quite holds up here because now the cheaper end animation is what was the high-end animation in 2008 so i do think Mm -hmm. some of the characters movements are kind of blocky their their expressions are aren't great it's a little eh for me yeah I, I can agree with you to a certain extent on that. I, I do think that there are elements that definitely have aged. Um, I think they really mostly show up in the final battle um, because in that one, there's like a lot of like Poe or Tai Long being thrown into a building. Um, and that's with that debris that's flying out that I fuck. I, I really noticed it being, you know, definitely aging a bit. Um, but I think you're right. This This was released in 2008. And for the time, it was pretty stellar back in 2008. Um, but it's definitely aged since 2008. And I would think mm-hmm. that a lot of Pixar films would probably be in that same boat as well, even if they came out of the year 2008. Um, but uh, I, I think you're right. But I I don't hold it against it a whole lot because it's, I, I, I guess for me at least, it's hard for me to judge something and say that this is necessarily a criticism when it released in a time when it wasn't one but i do see your point you know this animation has definitely aged since the day that it came out yeah i will agree with that so that's really not a knock against the film it's just a little disappointing it doesn't quite hold up i can see where it's at it's Mm -hmm. it's really getting there but i don't know if you can speak to this alan because i guess you haven't seen it in a while i I think but i think pixar's wally looks a lot better than this movie actually i i know shots have been fired i know we're gonna get letters (laughs) no i I, from whatever member you're you might be right um but it has been a bit too long for me to make that judgment um because i haven't seen it for a number of years Mm. you need to rewatch it I, I i watch i watch it with my wife every year i know i need to watch it so I got to say, you know, I, I kind of brought this up a little bit ago um, with the action sequences, right? I mentioned that they're all, mm-hmm. they kind of all continue to build on one another, right? It seems like the right. action scene that comes after one before it um, is better, right? Um, up until a point, um, I would say it's, unfortunately, I'd say for me when I'm kind of beginning to be like, oh, this is how it's going to end is with the climactic battle between Tai Long and uh, and Poe, right? It's built up the whole movie that this is going to be um, kind of a climactic battle. It's going to be a big one, right? Um, That's Mm -hmm. what this whole movie is kind of building towards. I felt, at least for me, I felt kind of underwhelmed by it. And I I get why Um, they're more going for, you know, more slapstick. They're kind of going to make more... Uh, make it a joke than they are making it serious. Like the scene that, like the scene that literally came before that, when Tai Long and Shifu were fighting in the Jade Palace, which is a, more of an emotional battle. Um, but for me, I feel like this the climax uh, was rather underwhelming for me when it came to all the other action sequences. To end on this note, where there isn't like that cool kung fu action that we've seen before, we don't get to see that much here. We see a little bit, but like not a whole lot. I felt underwhelmed. It was less grandiose than like the bridge fight, which I thought was pretty epic, actually. Yeah. Um, Where they're twisting the bridge and they're all fighting and trying to hold the bridge. I thought that was actually pretty exciting. It's not as grandiose. It is using Poe's skills that he learned. But at the same time, I, I also think they're trying to draw a point that Poe 
defeats Tai Lung, not necessarily with this, with his skills, but by using what the good Lord gave him, I guess. Right. He uses his belly to deflect him. He crushes him with his behind. He sits on him. <laughs> so it is a little bit more comedic. And in some ways, I feel like it almost had to be that way because when Tai Lung is fighting Shifu, I actually found that to be quite intense, almost a little too intense. I would imagine for younger viewers, when he is slamming Shifu down and you see the concrete crack or whatever material mm -hmm. it is break and just bust him up, I was a little like, oh, that's hard hitting. Um, but yeah, then when when Poe does it, and of course, they kind of play it for comedy. Um, when Poe is like scampering up the wall that's crushing to get the dragon scroll and Tai Lung shouts out the scroll is giving him powers. And yeah, oh yeah. Um, so I will say I wasn't, uh, I probably didn't quite feel the same way you did. I thought it was a perfectly fun, fine climax. I think they kind of wrote themselves into a corner though. I think that's where my problem comes okay. at is because Tai Lung is so feared. He's better than the five. He's even better than Shifu. Ugwe is gone at this point. For all intents and purposes, it's kind of dumb because he wants to be whatever it is, the chosen one, when he already is essentially better than everybody. And I get it. He's the arrogant one. This is an archetypal story we've seen time and again, but he really already is the most powerful one. And um, Poe defeats him with the Wushi, whatever it's called, the Wushi finger hold or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which Tai Lung never figured out. Poe just figured it out on his own. So, yeah, it's kind of confusing. It's kind of weird that they set up the super powerful villain that is already more powerful than the chosen one. But uh, yeah, it, I can see a little bit of that that let down where it's like, that's what I was thinking about when I was watching it. I'm like, but Tai Lung's already super powerful and can defeat anybody. Nobody can stop him. But Poe does it because he figures out the wishy finger old. I don't know why Shifu didn't do it because he knows how to do it. Doesn't make sense. Right. I mean, I, I guess I can attribute that to being uh, it was destiny that they were going to fight <laughs> and that Poe was going to win um, because that's sure. that's what the prophecy always says. Um, as always said for all of the ages is that this would happen. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess we could, I guess we could chalk that up to that if we wanted to, but I, I agree. You are correct. I, I, that's another good point. Um, the Yushi finger hole was brought up after it wasn't it wasn't long after uh Poe got like was recognized as the dragon warrior and began training um where it's you know it's brought up and it's Chekhov's wushi finger hold I suppose bring it up in the first yeah. act you know you know you have to bring it back in the third act um it is kind of like okay uh all right um if it that one does kind of feel like it was uh kind of like what is it it, it kind of felt like a cop out almost like it's meant kind of for laughs, but at the same time, it, it kind of feels like it's a deus ex machina um, when they when he does that. It does. And I mean, I'm I'm kind of thinking of in a Kill Bill volume two, whatever it's called, the five five point finger death punch or whatever mm -hmm. that the bride knows. I'm trying not to I'm trying not to spoil Kill Bill volume two because I love both of those movies, but this should have been something that not even Shifu knew. It should be something that Ugwe took to his grave without anybody ever realizing it because it's something they had to figure out. It's something they really couldn't be taught. And I think that would have made me feel better about it. But the fact that Shifu knows it and he's not sharing it with anybody, never shared it with Tai Lung or any of the five, and Poe's just like, I figured it out on my own. There should have been not just the Dragon Scroll, but there should have been also something that Poe had to figure out mm -hmm. that made him better than Tai Lung. Because otherwise, there's really nothing outside of him just figuring out the Wishy Finger Hold to defeat him. And I mean, yeah, he seems to, you know, really tucker Tai Lung out, but I think they could have brought it that next step. That brought that brought it that next step of Poe figuring out some special move that no one else knew. That definitely made him the chosen one and set apart. Right. That's yeah. That's fair. That's fair. One of the other things too. This is this has always bothered me. Uh, 
Where does Tai Long go uh, after he does, after Poe flexes his pinky and releases the energy yeah. or whatever? He just disappears. He just, he's gone. It's always bothered me right. ever since I watched it for the first time in the theater. Like, where did Tai Long go? Why don't we ever see Tai Long after uh, Poe defeats him? Is he like, is he, is he dead? Did he like just vaporize? <laughs> I'm, I really need yeah. to know. I'm, I, it's, it's been killing me for years, Corbin. Okay, I do agree with you. I found that to be somewhat kind of anticlimactic and frustrating that it just shows Poe like about to move his pinky and then you see this kind of like gold shockwave go throughout the land and then he's just gone. There was a hole mm -hmm. next to him. Poe technically could have pushed his bones or ashes into the hole. Right. I, I mean, or maybe we're to assume that gold ripple is actually Tai Lung. Maybe he his body transformed from physical to a to a gold energy and it just dispersed throughout the land. Um, it is anticlimactic. I think the reason they did it is because in most movies made for families or kids, the hero doesn't kill the villain at the end. Mm -hmm. Usually the villain is thrown in jail is banished or something of the kind R maybe they'll fall to their death like um the creepy priest in the hunchback of notre dame but very often does it not happen that the protagonist kills the antagonist in uh an animated movie like this so that's my only guess is they got DreamWorks to sign off him kill on him killing Tai Lung. Now I've yet to see Kung Fu Panda 2 or 3. Maybe it will be retconned. Maybe he will come back. I have no idea. But mm -hmm. for now, I have to agree with you. It is semi-anticlimactic just to see a gold whoosh, and that's it. Right. And that's kind of why I feel like this climax is my biggest, I guess my biggest uh, negative for this movie is, um, at least for me, as I mentioned, the fight wasn't really too engaging for me. It just felt, you know, for everything that's built up, you know, then we have this kind of fight, which is fine. And I, I think you're right. You know, it is one that definitely works more thematically. Um, but it also is not as cool as the other ones. Like the one that came before this was the bridge fight, which I think was definitely the by far the best one of the whole movie. Um, then uh, you've also end with, you know, you don't really know where the villain went to it. It feels kind of um, anticlimactic there too. It, it's unfortunate that uh, the movie that I felt is, is pretty strong up until this point, at least for me, it kind of falters there towards the end, but it's still fun. Nonetheless, it's still fun. I'll say the only time where I, my interest was kind of not keeping up with me was at the beginning of the second act after Poe has been chosen by Ugwe. And then he's going through his classic character's journey of self-doubt. Nobody really wants to believe him or be his friend. Uh, there's really not a whole lot of action going on. That's mostly just character moments. And I think I've just come to realize this. In animated movies, if it's not like really engaging, then I'm going, I mean, not every animated movie, but these kind of animated movies. Mm -hmm. If it's not, I, I don't, I can't really connect with them on a personal level too much. And I feel like they're really trying to push some of that in the second act is really getting us to connect with Poe on a personal level. And since he's a CGI panda, I can't quite connect with him that way I would with a human. Yeah, no, that, that is, that is fair. Yeah, I think... For me, um, I was really interested in, I don't know how often we've really seen this. Uh, I was really interested in, this is kind of what I guess kept me going through that second act, is the teacher is, the teacher wants wants nothing to do with this panda, right? Shifu wants nothing to do with Poe. <laughs> uh, and so it also kind of makes it funny and also somewhat engaging and for me, very interesting when, you know, when, you, when you're destined to be something, uh, which we know Poe's going to be the dragon warrior um, and defeat Tai Long. You know, what happens when the teacher like, tries to refuse to actually train that person, right? I thought that was kind of interesting. Like, you don't really see it, especially in a, um, a kid's movie where you usually want to portray the teachers as, you know, good people always wanting to help out uh, those who, they're, who are their students. We, it's the complete opposite mm -hmm. here. I think that was what interested me um, going into at least the second act uh, when they're just building character and whatnot. Yeah, that is true. I think that just lends itself to the subversiveness 
is what you expect mm-hmm. to happen isn't really going to happen. It's going to definitely subvert your expectations in a lot of areas. And it clearly subverted your expectation with the climax as right. you clearly weren't too engaged with it. That, yeah, I suppose that's fair. I guess that is a running theme of this movie is the subversion. Yeah. Well, Alan, what is your rating and recommendation for Kung Fu Panda? So I didn't really know what to expect coming back to Kung Fu Panda after oh, I don't know how many years I've, I haven't it's been since I've seen this last, but it's been a number. Um, I was curious to know, you know, would I think that this was as fun or would I think that the action sequences action sequences would be as fun as when I thought they were when I was a kid? And I got to say, for the most part, this I felt like a kid again watching this movie. Um, and part of that is definitely nostalgia talking because again, I got to watch this in the theater and I've seen it many times after that. Um, so these action sequences, especially the one at the bridge, uh, was a lot of fun to watch. Um, but I think that, you know, my biggest problems with it are still kind of the same problems I had when I was a kid. I don't know what happened to Tai Long. The climax was kind of weird considering everything else that we saw, um, things of that nature. But I still did not, I still didn't not have fun with Kung Fu Panda. So I think it's definitely going to be a recommend for me if you haven't seen it. Um, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Kung Fu Panda is a joy to revisit after many years. I had forgotten how funny the humor is. Translating martial arts into animation is actually exciting. And the voice acting along with some character expressions that are ahead of its time really make these heroes and villains come to life. One of the aspects I appreciate most about Kung Fu Panda is that it's creative. It's the kind of creativity I expect from DreamWorks. It's mildly subversive. The animation, at the time, is excellent. The sound design is transportive. It's a movie all ages can enjoy. It doesn't pander to children and it doesn't bore adults. Although I will say at the beginning of the second act, it's a little dry. So if you're already tired, you may not want to pop this one on. Also, the animation doesn't always hold up, especially to today's computer-generated standards. Characters' movements can look blocky or, dare I say it, slightly cheap. It's hard looking at it in hindsight considering how incredibly far animation has come. But it's a shame it didn't win Best Animated Feature. It clearly deserved to win over Bolt, but WALL-E is one of my favorite animated movies of all time, so I gotta give it to The Talking Robot. Kung Fu Panda is a great film. It receives 8 stars out of 10 with a strong recommend. So we're off to a good start. I feel like uh, the last few, uh, at, least the, at least the last retrospectives that we've done, I guess not necessarily Denis Villeneuve, but uh, with Taken. Taken? Was one where <laughs> we started off and I was like, oh, this is not good. This is not starting off very well. I'm glad we're starting off with something that's looking very promising again. Um, that's two in a row, yeah. I guess, because the Evo Nov started off pretty, pretty strong. And we'll see when we finish it up how, how it ends. But I'm looking forward to seeing Kung Fu Panda 2 again. I remember liking it. I don't know if I liked it as much as Kung Fu Panda 1, but I remember liking it a lot. So I'm very excited for next week, which is weird to say because it's a kid's movie that we're going to watch <laughs> again. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm looking back at our scores right now between the Taken trilogy and the Godzilla movies we just wrapped up. Mm-hmm. It was kind of rough. It was a it was a very mixed bag to pretty mediocre. So I got to say, looking at the scores for Kung Fu Panda, the box office, I'm shocked. And I'm actually very happy that this looks to be a solid animated trilogy. And we're both mm-hmm. starting it off on the right foot. I'm curious to see what the next two movies will bring. The critics and audiences both love it. So that gives me hope we're not going down this like sad, slippery slope of like Tom and Jerry where it just gets worse. And oh, oh gosh, go listen to our review of the new Tom and Jerry movie. It's uh, interesting. It sure is. Uh, (laughs) But is so... I I think you already own this, but would it be one that you would go and pick up? It would be. If I didn't already own it, I would pick it up on Blu-ray, but I have proudly owned Kung Fu Panda on Blu-ray for many years. Actually, this was one of the earliest um, Blu-rays I got back in 08. That and Terminator Salvation, Public Enemies with Johnny Depp, X-Men Origins, Wolverines. Kung mm-hmm. Fu Panda was one of the early ones. And the Blu-ray is very well put together. 
loaded with extras for all ages to enjoy. Um, my wife and I had a lot of fun with the extras. They actually have games on them. I think I'm with you. I Like I mentioned, I did own this at one point. I owned one and two at one point. Um, I sold oh, them. Wow. I, I think my plan was to eventually upgrade to the Blu-ray, and then clearly I never actually ended up going down that route. Now that I've seen it, I might grab it off of Amazon um, because I like it enough to buy it. So I liked it enough to buy it when I collected DVDs. <laughs> um, <laughs> now I am probably going to pick this one up on Blu-ray too. So Corbin, after seeing Kung Fu Panda and knowing that you're going to, you would buy it on Blu-ray, which you already have, what else would you recommend people see after Kung Fu Panda? I recommend, I got quite a few recommendations actually. I'm going to recommend Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I am going to recommend Over the Hedge, which I've talked about. It's another fantastic DreamWorks film. One of my favorite animated films. Of course, I'm going to recommend, I'm going to recommend Karate Kid Part 3. My favorite of all the Karate Kid movies, except the Jane Smith one was really good. Mm-hmm. I'm going to recommend Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. I think there's some crossover here. I'm actually going to recommend really Scott's Gladiator. Oh, there. Yeah, that one just came to me. Um, not not just now. It came to me earlier when I was thinking of stuff. I was like, yeah, I'm going to recommend Gladiator also. Um, and believe it or not, I am going to recommend the 1995 Paul W.S. Anderson video game adaptation, Mortal Kombat, which is not bloody and violent like the video games it is cheesy and it is kung fu fun i'm gonna recommend um i would i would like to recommend crouching tiger hidden dragon but i've only seen half of it and that was so long ago (laughs) i remember like nothing um oh my gosh you're missing out see it real bad i know um i'm gonna recommend uh ice age i think that was a bit before (laughs) this film um yeah yeah it was yeah because that came out early 2000s 2002 so about six years so years before this but i'm also going to recommend mm-hmm. uh road to el dorado because that oh, one's yeah. also like a classic dreamworks 2d animated feature um and i'm going to recommend madagascar um so a couple of other dreamworks properties in there uh, with a i think it's uh, blue sky animation that did ice age um, so those are my three recommendations. Yeah, Madagascar is great. I second that one. You want to talk about animation that hasn't aged well? Talk about 2002's Ice Age. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Kung Fu That's... Panda leaps and bounds better than that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember I watched clips from it recently. You're right. It definitely <laughs> has aged a bit uh, since 2002. Yeah. All right, well, listeners, the question after the show is this. If you could be one of these characters, would it be a mantis or a panda? Which would you rather be if you were to be a kung fu master? That's the question. All right, well, Corbin, thank you for joining me. Sure thing. All right, listeners, uh, make sure you come back next week because we're going to be continuing this trilogy with Kung Fu Panda 2. Hey listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So don't forget to share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week, listeners.
The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide. Um, and it's, it's been a while since I've watched it last. Mm-hmm. Um, that dog is going crazy upstairs. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, and I used to own these. All, I used to also own these on DVD at one point. I owned. Jeez. <laughs> oh, no. uh, oh, recommendation. That's, I knew I was forgetting something. <laughs> Darn it. I missed it. I, I knew I was forgetting something before we started this review. Okay. That's fine. Okay. That's going to be a new, that's going to be a checklist item now. <laughs> it's gotta be. Cause I, I, it's, I'm good with trailers now. It's the recommendations that I never get.